You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. So we're, we're in this series on toxic. And uh, so the of toxic is anything that's infected with a poisonous material and is capable of causing sickness or death. Toxic. I mean, it's a pretty common word. There's nothing really mysterious about it. Last week, we looked at the idea of toxic thoughts. The things that come into our minds that influence us, that, that can actually affect us, not just mentally, but emotionally and physically, spiritually, the thoughts that, um, that can affect us. Next week, we're looking at toxic words. After that, toxic religion. Today, we're going to be looking at this idea of toxic influences. Influence is simply to have the power to affect the character, development, or behavior of a person or a situation. That's influence. Now, as one might expect, there are different ways to influence someone else. One would be, we were calling it, we're kind of giving the term life-giving. You can influence someone in a very positive way. A positive influence that adds value to a person and helps build their character. That's life-giving influence. Um, Parents, hopefully, are life-giving. Not always, because we've seen the other way is life-altering. A toxic influence that negatively affects a person and contaminates character. All of us have been influenced by life-giving people. All of us have been influenced by life-altering people. Hopefully, as you yourself influence others, you're life-giving. I realize we're all human, and there's probably instances and situations where that might not always be the case either. But we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at this idea of toxic influences this morning. But before I go any further, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this day. Uh, Father, thank you for the chance we've had to come into your presence, to to join together. Lord, there's something sacred that occurs when your people gather together. Lord, that we get to celebrate and be a part of that and experience that this morning. Thank you. Father, for the opportunity to lift our voices and to worship, to to remember you in communion, to give, uh, to share and talk with one another and reconnect. Lord, all this is part of our worship, our acknowledgement of you in our lives. And as now, Lord, we've come to this part of our time together where we, we uh, look at your word and we explore what it's saying to us. Father, give us wisdom and discernment. Help our ears to hear what we need to hear. Holy Spirit, speak as you see fit this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Any <clears throat> um, of you are history uh, interests. Actually, I asked that question not too long ago, and very few of you are, but anyway. Um, here's something that happened in history. 1800s, mid-18, uh, probably 1846 to actually 1860, there was an, uh, a cholera pandemic that went pretty much throughout Europe. Tens of thousands of people died um, because of cholera. Um, in 1854, there was a particularly severe outbreak of, of cholera in the Soho district of London. Um, within three days of the first reported diagnosis, 127 people died. Within 10 days, more than 500 people had died. And before it was over, over 600 people had died just in this one little neighborhood area of, of London. The, the, re- the reason why this was such a significant outbreak, and the, the major reason why they couldn't bring an end to the outbreak, was that they didn't know how people were getting infected. 
They knew they were getting college. They could, they could diagnose it, but they didn't know how people contracted it. What's interesting is back in the day, at that point in time, there was two theories as to how someone contracted something like cholera. The most prominent one was that it's in the air, that there's bad air out there. Um, and it was largely uh, decaying organic matter. Um, there were, obviously, the sanitation conditions were very different then. So you had slaughterhouses just dumping right into the river, right down it. Somebody's pulling out their drinking water for the day. Um, you know, the septic system, everything. So it was very, very um, unsanitary. And the decomposing nature of all of this um, was understood that that was releasing things into the air. People would breathe it, and that's how they were getting sick. Well, there was one particular doctor in London, his name was John Snow, who just said, this just isn't adding up. There's got to be something else to wait to explain that. And he began to do a study, and he discovered that of all the people in the Soho district that had gotten cholera and died, all but two of them got their drinking water from a single pump for their water. That's where they, all of them got their water from the single pump. And uh, as he began to just die, dig into this a little bit further, he, he came to the conclusion that, no, this was not an airborne thing. It was ingested. There's something we don't know. We can't see. There's something in there that's being ingested into the body, which we now know as germs. There's germs. There's bacteria. There's things in there that we're ingesting into our body that's getting in. What they discovered is that three feet from where this well was digging was a, a cesspool that had begun to leak into the water that was being pumped that was being pumped in, and people were drinking from that. Um, so the the city officials had this brilliant idea to solve the problem. They took the handle off the pump, so no one could pump water. So they had to go get the water somewhere else. Literally within days, the cholera uh, it began to diminish. People were no longer drinking the bad water, and so they were no longer getting sick. People were dying because they were drinking contaminated water from the Broad Street. It was on Broad Street. It was where it was. So the Broad Street Pump is what it came known as. Um, actually, up until a few years ago, there was actually a little memorial set there of a, of a real pump uh, just to mark the location where this was. But people were dying because they were drinking water that was con contaminated from that pump. Once the officials identified the source of the infection, they were able to eliminate this infection altogether, and people stopped getting sick and people stopped dying. Today, the idea of germs is common to all of us. I mean, we wouldn't think twice. We would understand what was happening much more quickly than they did. We all know that if we ingest something that is contaminated, we will suffer the consequences, and even death if it's that toxic. Similarly, I believe there are toxic influences that affect other areas of our life as well. Proverbs 25:26 says this, Like a muddied spring or a polluted well are the righteous who give way to the wicked. What a picture, isn't it? Here's the thing. The people of Broad Street drank the water because they didn't know any better. They didn't know. And so they drank it and... They thought they were fine. Once they knew that the water was contaminated and the, and the handle had been removed, they physically couldn't go, they had to go somewhere else to get their water. And they weren't getting sick. They adjusted their behavior 
based upon what they knew. So they changed their behavior to keep themselves from getting infected and from getting sick. You and I have that same opportunity. We have a choice as to what we will be allowed to influence our character and behavior. However, in order to make those kind of choices, to change behavior, you actually have to know what is the source of the contamination. So in the next few minutes, I want to look at three potential sources of um, contamination or toxic influence in our life. First one is what we refer to as inside influences or toxic company. Some of you, uh, again, if you're an NFL uh, fan, you may have the, the name Aaron Hernandez may be familiar to you. He was a tight end, played for the New England Patriots. Um, he was a high school all-star. He went to play uh, football at the uh, University of Florida, became a college All-American. And he was making millions of dollars in the NFL. He was well on his way to becoming a star. The interesting thing, though, is that coming out of college, not all of the NFL teams wanted to draft him. Some teams actually eliminated him from a board. Someone who was this skilled and this uh, talented, they didn't want him because there were multiple off-the-field issues in his background. There were rumors of failed drug tests, and there were significant character concerns about who he was as a person. So many teams didn't draft him. Within three years of his signing his first NFL contract, he was convicted of murder and committed suicide while in jail. Here was a young man who had it all. Everything was there. A number of factors contributed to his demise. However, one of them was the fact that he continued to surround himself with toxic friends from his youth. People who were involved with drugs, people who were involved in violence, and he never was able to escape from that environment. Aaron Hernandez hung out with people who were contaminated, and he became contaminated too. Contamination breeds contamination. We see this in the Bible as well. In Mark chapter 6, there's a story there of John the Baptist. Um, King Herod heard about this for Jesus. He heard about John. Um, he had actually heard about uh, the works of Jesus. He heard about this for Jesus' name had become very well known. Some were saying John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he is Elijah, and still others claimed he is a prophet like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, and he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, Ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her within an oath, or with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. 
she went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she answered. At once the girl hurried in to the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Herod was influenced by an individual who was carrying a grudge. She'd become toxic. He was in the wrong himself, but the influence, the ability to be influenced by other people who are toxic can have dire consequences, not just in our own lives, but on the lives of other people. Now, you might be saying, yeah, but I don't hang out with those kind of people. I'm not in, you know, those kind of, you know, the drugs and violence and, and, and that's good. I, 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 that's a good thing. I, I commend you for that. But what about people who gossip? What about people who are always critical of other people? What about people who are judgmental or selfish or they lie a lot or just pick, pick your characteristic? They're toxic for other reasons besides violence. And I just think that people who are toxic in these areas are just as dangerous to your heart and soul as someone who is violent and, and has evil or violence on their mind or, or in their capacity. The company we keep has the power to add value or infect our character and behavior. Another way to look at a source of our toxic influence is we refer to as outside influences or toxic culture, maybe another way to look at it. A group or culture places significant pressure on the individual to conform. It just does. And it's not even necessarily always overt. It's just this pressure to... I mean, think back to your school days. For some of you, those were great memories. For some of you, like, oh, Lord, why are you asking me to do that? And some of you are right in the middle of it right now. And uh, so, but the desire or even the need to be a part of something is so deeply ingrained in all of us. And so in school, it's like, all right, what clothes are we wearing? You know, where it, it's funny with our, our kids, again, same gene pool, same environment growing up, but our kids were really different in this way. Our sons, they couldn't care less about clothes, except their tennis shoes. This time, the skateboarding was just really becoming a big deal, so they had to have the skateboarding tennis shoes. Jeans, they didn't care if they, where they came from. It, just, it didn't matter, but the tennis shoes were a big deal. My daughter, um, she was all... she. Um, she also didn't have, uh, um, as far as, she didn't have to have the right clothes or the big thing. She was pretty low-key that way. But she wouldn't be caught dead in the clothing section in Kmart. Just for her, that was just not, she couldn't, that was going a little too far. Just, I, you know, because it just, it didn't fit her mental image of what she would be. But just think about that, how we dressed, the, the, the hobbies we were part of, the parties we went to, the people we, it all was a part of our desire to be a part of something, to be included, to belong somewhere. Here's the simple fact is those pressures to belong continue on into adulthood as well. 
the pressure, you know, and, and the influences for us to conform are just as strong, if not even more strong. How to think about various social issues. There's incredible pressure out in our culture to shape the way we think about those things. How to think about love and marriage, or how to think about morality, how to think about God and matters or faith, all these things that are out there helping to shape the way, hoping to shape the way we think about us, all influencing our thoughts. The problem there is that if history has shown us anything, is that groups don't always make the best decisions. Just because everyone else does it, doesn't make it right. We see this uh, as well in the, the Old Testament in the book of Samuel. The context here is that the Israelites were now in the promised land. They had been following God, the pillar of the cloud, the pillar of fire. They're now in the promised land. And so God wasn't giving them day-to-day instructions. And they were really having a hard time. Decades of just oppression from other neighbors. They just weren't able to, to make a go of it. <clears throat> and... Uh, they finally came to Samuel, who was the prophet at, or the, the judge at the time, and said, we, we want a king like everyone else. First uh, Samuel chapter 8 says, So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Here's the thing that's interesting for me. Given their circumstances and given their environment, their request was not that unusual. I mean, it it was a reasonable request. It wasn't like they're asking for something that was just really far-fetched. As they surveyed the area, everyone else had kings. They were struggling. Well, why don't we have a king? It was a reasonable thought process. But yet it was so far from what God had wanted and had intended from them. And that's the danger of outside influences is so often we're not even conscious of their influence. Without recognizing it, we become infected because of this toxic influence of outside. It's much like uh, you've heard the story of the frog in the kettle. Frogs in the kettle and you turn on the, the water and you heat it up and they don't recognize the change in temperature and will ultimately die. Likewise, we find ourselves in situations where we're just not paying attention. And before we know it, we're so far down where we thought we would be or where we should be. It's, um, I love what Romans chapter in the message, uh, uh, one of the translations out there, says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So those are two. Uh, We've talked about two different forms of influence. Here's a third one we refer to as fireside influences or toxic conversations. Um, 
over the years, I've noticed that there have been times uh, that Betsy will be sharing uh, with me of a, of a difficult conversation she's had with someone. Um, again, no one here. Um, now, first of all, these, these conversations don't happen often. Betsy gets along with everybody. I mean, there's, there's, so this doesn't happen often. But here's the thing I've noticed, that when she shares this and how someone has, you know, from my perspective, mistreated her or talked in a way to her that she didn't deserve, or I find myself taking up the offense. I find myself actually getting madder than she was with the situation. Um, I find myself taking on those same emotions. Sometimes they're even stronger than hers as to what's, what, was, what was happening to her. What I've discovered, though, is that my, I find that my feelings about this other person are not based on my interactions with them, but rather they're based on what someone else has told me about them. Infected conversations lead to septic observations. Now, again, this isn't something Betsy does often, but we all know people who like to gossip and tell us about other people, who like to tell us, who have no inhibitions to just lay things out there and to give their opinion. Of course, for them, it's, they're just speaking truth. Um, you know, they're just, you know, when it's, it's just their opinion. Um, But when people are like that and they're continually giving us that stuff, it does affect us and affects our ability to, to accurately observe and interact with other people. Their perceptions become ours and we become um, infected by this toxic conversation. We see this so clearly in the book of Genesis, chapter 3. Adam and Eve are in the garden and they've been told to stay away from the, the tree that's in the center of the garden, and yet they were tempted. <clears throat> and the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. We must refrain from engaging in conversations that are rooted in the pain of anger, unforgiveness, and or discontentment. They have the ability to alter our personal perceptions. Everything that we allow into our minds, our hearts, our lives, everything that we spend our time and money on has an impact on how we grow or don't grow spiritually. So we've got these ways of being infected, of influences coming at us from outside, um, from within our close circle of friends, the people we surround ourselves with, and from very intimate, sometimes personal conversations we have with people. So, in this context, I have to ask a question. What have you allowed to influence your character and behavior? 
How toxic are the influences in your life? Like the people in Soho uh, District of London, you need to remove from your life those things that are bringing toxic influences into your life. It might mean that you need to have a conversation with that friend and say, listen, why are you, always, you ever notice why you're always that so negative or why you're always criticizing? Have you ever noticed this? What's up with that? Maybe, maybe they're not even aware of it. Or maybe it's time to find another friend. If it means you not becoming, continually being infected, it might be an appropriate step. Maybe it means stop watching certain shows, visiting certain web pages, watching certain news channels. What is effect infecting you? What is influencing your life, your heart, your mind? Instead, spend time with people who encourage you, who will give life to your soul. Watch and read those things that will not pollute your mind. And, if necessary... Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to help you and see what He can do. Let's pray. Father, um, all of us are influenced by others around us. We're influenced by our surroundings. Uh, Lord, we also influence other people. Uh, Father, we influence those who are closest to us. Uh, and so, Lord, we, we need You from all the different outside sources that can come and infect us. Father, we need Your wisdom, discernment. Father, help us to be aware uh, when something is infecting us. Lord, make us be conscious of when someone is making the comment or there's a conversation we walk in on or even that we're a part of and may we see it for what it truly is. And Father, then give us the wisdom to know how to get ourselves out of it. Uh, give us the courage to actually make those steps. Father, may we be a people who aren't afraid to separate ourselves uh, graciously, but aren't afraid to separate ourselves from those things that will be toxic to our spirit. Father, may we be life givers. May we be people who speak health and wholeness and truth and love and mercy and grace to those with whom we come in contact. Uh, so, Lord, I, if I just ask for those here who might I just need to ask for forgiveness for things they've allowed to go on, to enter into them. Father, may we make a decision, or even this moment, to remove those things from our life once and for all. So Father, we give these things to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org. 